The Denver Broncos 2023 rookie draft class was slammed by NFL.com. We'll dive deep into maybe why it's skewed a little bit and doesn't contain the full context overall. We'll break it all down. Plus, look into some potential cap casualties on offense and defense on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Did the Denver Broncos have the worst draft class in 2023? According to NFL.com, they did. We'll break it down and we'll share our thoughts on today's brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Broncos country, thank you once again for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. And a special shout out to all the everydayers out there who make us part of your morning routine, afternoon routine. However you listen to Lockdown Broncos, you can get it for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Do us a favor. Hit that subscribe or that follow button so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content coverage, and more from an objective point of view. I'm Cody Rourke. I cover the Broncos as a reporter for Mile High Sports, joined alongside by Sarah Bettinger. He covers the Broncos as the site expert over there, predominantly orange.com. Sarah, so much to dive into here on today's episode of the show. We talk about timelines. The buildup for the NFL scouting combine is here. There are going to be some roster decisions that are coming up here. But before we dive into all those situations here, kind of looking back here at 2023, I found it interesting. NFL.com had recently put out a poll ranking the rookie classes from 2023. The Broncos, they come in dead last in this poll. Find it a little interesting also, and we'll share some context behind their analysis, and we'll kind of maybe share our in-between thoughts as well. Yeah, go figure. The team that didn't have a pick until, what, 63 or overall or something like that after trading up had the worst overall draft class in the league. I mean, shouldn't be really that much of a surprise. I guess it's kind of just that collateral damage after the Russell Wilson trade. You don't have a first-round pick, don't have your high second-round draft selections either. But really, this this list was put together evaluating draft classes based upon instant impact, right? And that's something that the Broncos, we kind of figured at the time of the draft, like this, it may not be an instant impact kind of class. And you and I talked about that. Of course, you expected these higher picks to maybe play a role. But when you don't pick until late in round two, round three, I, I mean... I guess you don't really know what to expect year one. And and I don't know if this is like a grade that's being harsh based on that, or if it's, I don't know where to like, these guys are NFL draft experts, right? So Chad Ruder and Eric Edholm over there at NFL.com, they evaluate the NFL draft every year for the, for that website. So they're looking at this from an instant impact perspective, but I, I find it interesting that, that the, I guess, incomplete grades weren't really factored in. I mean, did, did they like the pick of Riley Moss? Did they, did they like the pick of J.L. Skinner? Like, where do they come down on evaluating these prospects? Because if it's just about instant impact, sure, yeah, the Broncos may have had the worst draft class in the league, although they did have a guy in the Pro Bowl there, which is kind of weird. But, you know, it's just <laughs> a it, it's such a different discussion. Everybody's trying to find ways to be mad at George Payton, at Sean Payton. This is just giving some more fuel to that fire, I guess. And I don't think their analysis of it really paints the full picture, right? Because I think when people see like, oh, rank dead last, the automatic assumption, as you mentioned, people are going to get mad. Well, dead last. Oh, my gosh. Fire George Payton. Like, we hear that so much. And look, I, I think for as much flack as George Payton's got, I also think he's done a relatively solid job here. But this isn't about George Payton. This is just about, as you mentioned, their criteria being instant impact. 
I felt like Marvin Mims, we saw his impact in the preseason. I mean, we saw a couple of moon balls from Jarrett Stidham in the preseason, especially in one of those home preseason games. We saw him in the return department. We saw him in week two with two catches for a buck 13 and a touchdown. And then the Broncos decided to go away from him. I felt like Marvin had an instant impact. And even in that comeback against the Chicago Bears that set up the game-winning field goal by Will Lutz, Marvin Mims made that happen with a 49-yard catch. So for me, Marvin had an instant impact. I don't think this is necessarily a bad indictment about the draft class. As you mentioned, I mean, Sarah, I think Denver entered this year saying we have a lot of veterans. We have a lot of older guys or second or third year players that are firmly in place. And these guys, they're going to develop and some guys are going to play. Some guys are going to compete. And I, I think that was the premise of this year's draft class, considering Denver's lack of capital, as you mentioned, overall. Two of these players on the Broncos draft class were really red shirt guys in J.L. Skinner, Alex Forsyth. I look at this and I look, okay, hey, Denver overall, did they get a lot of production out of their 2023 rookie class? No, they didn't. But they had guys that showed flashes and that weren't necessarily in prominent roles. And now you start to see like, hey, okay, we see why the Broncos drafted this guy. And so I think when everyone looks at, oh, ranked dead last, I think it's a bad thing. I think if you watch the games, you watch the players, you follow the trends, you understand, hey, there is a plan for these guys, and some of these guys are exciting. I think Broncos fans are excited about Riley Moss. Not only what we saw him do on special teams, but working in the dime package, knowing he's going to get an opportunity to compete to start opposite of Patrick Sertan here this offseason. You look at Drew Sanders moving from off-ball to edge rusher and flashing, also being one of their top special teams players as well. To me, that's exciting. Like That's where you find things. That's where you find investment in these guys. Marvin Mims making the Pro Bowl, getting all pro recognition as a return artist. To me, I don't think this ranking of them being dead last, I think, is an indictment. I think it just doesn't paint the full picture, as you had talked about, it being kind of incomplete. But you can make an argument. The Broncos did have a rookie who was very impactful for them. He wasn't drafted, though. Yeah, Jaleel McLaughlin didn't factor into the overall grade, did he? I mean, he was probably the most, I guess, consistently impactful rookie when you talk about just involvement on offense or defense. Like like you mentioned, we kind of saw the Broncos go away from Marvin Mims early in the year offensively, which was so bizarre and didn't make sense to anybody. But I guess, you know, what? I don't know. Who knows why that was? But Jaleel McLaughlin was one of the top guys on the team, top three on the team in terms of overall touches, which was fun to see, especially early in the year. He's making a huge impact, showing that vision, showing that burst, showing the speed, the explosiveness, the big plays. I mean, the Broncos didn't have a lot of big plays in the running game. Jaleel McLaughlin had the majority of the, the runs that went for 20 plus. So to me, that was a huge rookie pickup and somebody that you need to have in terms of hitting when you don't have a lot of darts to throw in the NFL draft, you got to hit after the NFL draft, right? You got to bring some of those top guys in. I think the Broncos did that with Jaleel McLaughlin and we'll see time will tell. I mean, I, I get it. We're in the content making business. We know these guys got to make their lists and their grades after year one. And I mean, shoot, it looks like the Broncos might, I, I think the Dallas Cowboys had a way worse draft class than the Broncos. Just all things considered, look at the, the Mazai Smith did nothing. Luke Schoonmaker did nothing. Who, who from the Cowboys made any impact on in their rookie class this year? Go ahead and tell me that one, <laughs> NFL.com. But hey, even if it only bumped the Broncos up to 31, you don't want to be dead last. So if uh, th that's the thing, though, is like year two, Riley Moss, could he step up in a starting role? JL Skinner with maybe PJ Locke on the way out. Caden Stearns, question, I mean, the question mark there. Does Skinner get a chance? Is Alex Forsyth your starting center? He didn't play at all as a rookie. So 
there's so many different things that could factor into maybe the Broncos they will see in two, three years, they'll be climbing up the list from the 2023 NFL draft class. And that's the important thing about rookies in general is, man, you're not going to always have the rookie of the year every year, Broncos country. I know we want that. We want it so bad. <laughs> we want the CJ Strouds. We want the Garrett Wilsons. We want, you know, X, Y, and Z. It just doesn't always happen for you that way, especially when you don't have a first rounder. So getting back in the first round this year, let's see what the Broncos can do. Maybe not a rookie of the year, but shoot, I think you expect instant impact. Maybe that's the one takeaway when you see a criticism like this or a critique like this. Maybe that's the thing for this year is find guys that can contribute more right away. Now, I would say if we look at the 2022 class, was there a guy that had an instant impact right away? Well, you could say Greg Dulcich, but he didn't play until week seven or week week six or week seven of last year. Initially, that's when he made his debut. You look at the year prior, uh, I think you look at guys who had an instant impact. I think Quinn Miners, Patrick Sertan, Baron Browning had an instant impact. Like They had a Javon lot of guys, Jonathan Cooper, Javante Williams. Like That was a really good instant impact class. And I also feel like, too... He, you mentioned the content business. Like everyone wants to grade things after year one. Like you got to let it play out. I'm a big believer in like, you can have a grade after year one. You can have it after year two. I feel like your grade after year three is probably the most defining aspect of it because three years of sample size in the NFL, it's huge. It gives you more to evaluate, to see what went right, what went wrong. And I think that's where at least my analysis, my evaluation factor in comes in, but we'll see. We'll see how things look in this class in 2023 emerge into an impact class in 2024. And also can 2024's class, as Sarah mentioned, be instant impact creators right away for Sean Payton in his second season as the Broncos head coach. One thing we will dive deep into here on today's episode of the show, we're going to take a look at some potential salary cap casualties for the Broncos. As we know, 24 million over the cap. Who are some potential cap casualty options on the offensive side of the ball? We'll dive deeper that here on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. Today's Lockdown Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at the Game Time app. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive to your event, all in prices, they show you your total upfront so you know that you're getting a great deal before you check out and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKED ON for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If there's anywhere on this Denver Broncos roster that the team has flexibility, it's offensively, but it could lead to some big name players getting cut or traded here in the next handful of weeks. We're going to break that all down on today's episode, Locked on Broncos, who could be on the way out and how much money could the Broncos save with some of these guys being on the way out. But we want to say thank you and give our appreciation to every single one of you that makes Locked on Broncos your first listen of the day. 
every single day right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day, free and available anywhere that you listen to podcasts, as well as you can watch the show on YouTube where you can engage in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts. Hey, who should the Broncos keep? Who should be staying? Who should be going offensively and defensively, as we'll talk about later on? Let your voice be heard and engage in the comment section there. Or you can always hit up Cody and I on Twitter and let us know some of your thoughts there as well. We always appreciate every single one of you for rocking with us, especially in the off season. There is no off season for the Broncos country. There's always something going on, isn't there, Cody? And I think that really with this team, we're going to see offensively just a ton of, I don't necessarily know that the Broncos are going to cut every single one of these guys, but when you talk about a team that's almost 25 million over the salary cap, offensively is where they can really find ways to get that flexibility to be able to be active in free agency, if not in the first wave, the second, third, and beyond? It's always a great question, right? And I think the conversation always gets brought up about dead money, right? You don't want to have a lot of dead money. The reality is so many teams every year operate with a large portion of dead money because the NFL, the financial aspect of it, and when you look at maybe a contract a team gives a player versus production and it not matching up sometimes, you just have to say, okay, it didn't work. We're just going to have to bite it on this, try to free up as much space as possible. We're also going to have to incur some dead cap hit. There are dead money there, so to speak. And I remember the Broncos did that after just one season with Case Keenum. They ate a bunch of dead money. I think it was for a couple of years. And on top of that, you know, when you're still paying former head coaches as well, uh, you know, it just the list, it grows there when we talk about the financial aspects. But when we look at potential cap casualties, this is a term we hear every year around free agency or when teams have to start to become cap compliant. As we all know, the Broncos, almost $25 million over the salary cap. I think a lot of people view that as kind of like a death sentence. But as you and I have talked about here on the show, it's not really as steep of a hill as many people make it out to be. And there's a lot of things you can do to create financial flexibility. You have the you know most cash-rich ownership group in all of American sports that can help that. And even though they have come out and said, we're not going to do this every year, this might be the year where like, you know what, we said we weren't going to do this every year, but we need to do it this year to give us a little bit of a landing pad here going forward. So when we talk about cap casualties You look at Russell Wilson being the first one. This isn't necessarily a cap casualty because he's going to get paid $39 million this year. Regardless, he's going to get his money. The biggest thing that we've always talked about here is, you know, you don't want to make sure that $37 million gets guaranteed on the fifth day of the new league year, which is coming up March 17th, March 18th. He's more of a cut candidate just because of where he's at in the team looking to move on. If he's not going to be their starting quarterback in 2024, he's kind of the first guy that we're going to start off with. We even did an episode yesterday, uh, Sarah, here on Lockdown Broncos. If you missed that Broncos country, go check it out. We talked about potential contract options that are coming up and the decisions that could influence the team to maybe lean one way or the other. Go check that out wherever you get your podcast. But let's talk about Garrett Bowles here really as kind of a cut candidate. Now, you, I think you made a, a great point. You'd prefer the Broncos trade him if they are not going to bring him back here in 2024. But if they did cut him, they would save around $16 million and only incur $4 million in dead cap because he accounts for $20 million against the cap so far this upcoming season. Yep. And without the Broncos doing anything in any sort of trade, that number would be the same if they were able to accommodate a trade with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like if they're able to get a third round pick, they're saving $16 million unless they decide we'll pay a portion. $16 million in savings from Garrett Bowles. I mean, it might be time for the Broncos to rip off that Band-Aid. Of course, you would rather have the certainty of just knowing we we know what we're getting in Garrett Bowles, and that's an important position. So 
will foot the bill for the 16 million base salary, 20 million against the cap. It might be the year this year. If the Broncos don't have plans for Bulls after this year to bring him back, might be the time to trade him and get that 16 million in savings. Portland Sutton is another guy we talked about on yesterday's episode, but specific figures here. You could save nearly 10 million by cutting or trading Cortland Sutton there. So really when people talk about the Broncos being, you know, up against the salary cap or being over the cap, that's two moves right there that could get you under the salary cap. And I know those are two big name players, but that could also get you a couple of really valuable draft picks to say, you save the 26 million by trading Garrett Bowles and trading Cortland Sutton. Now you're not only under the salary cap, but you've likely got a couple of extra selections in the, you know, top 100 to maybe 150 range, depending on what Cortland Sutton's value is out there. I think that's something that the Broncos could explore. Now, the, the topic of restructure, things like that. We're talking about kind of cut candidates or trade candidates. Let's say slash the salary, give us the cap space, give us the savings, give us the cash. These guys have big base salaries as well. That's what we're, we're when we talk about these cap casualties, it's guys who have big base salaries with very little guaranteed money left. That gap in between is what really can benefit the Broncos. And those are the top two guys offensively for this team. But Cortland Sutton, he's not alone at the wide receiver position either. 100%. And look, Broncos country, we also want to preface it by saying we're not advocating for these guys to get cut. We're not calling for them. We're just presenting realistic possibilities that the team could do in order to create flexibility. Sometimes I feel like it gets lost when we talk about that. Like, oh, these guys want these guys cut. No, we don't. We're just talking about these are every... This is every option that the team has on their table. You mentioned another wide receiver. Corlin's got two years left on his deal. Tim Patrick is entering the final year of his deal here with the Denver Broncos. A $15.57 million cap hit this year. Obviously, back-to-back season in- injuries in training camp. $6.07 million in dead money. Denver would save around $10 million if they were to trade him or if they were to release him. There's talks about a potential restructure. He's another one. But even looking at a backup quarterback, a guy they brought in in free agency who Sean Payton said they're very high on, Jarrett Stidham. He's got a $7 million cap hit this year, $2 million in dead money. You'd save $5 million if you moved on there. There's a reason. Look, Ben DiNucci signed a futures contract. There's a reason he's still in the plans here at some point for the Broncos. Sean Payton sees something. So is that something they might do? I, I don't know. I think so much is contingent upon what happens with Russ and also what happens if they decide to draft a guy in the NFL draft this year, you're probably not going to want to find, you know, to pay multiple quarterbacks there. Look, you're already going to be paying Russell Wilson no matter what. You got to pay a rookie quarterback and you're going to be pay, paying a guy like Jarrett Stidham as well. That's an interesting thing when we look at, and even a guy who I think emerged as a little bit of a fan favorite last year, Samaj P. Ryan, after just one season, could he be a potential cap casualty here for the Broncos? Yeah, three million in savings for if they cut Samaje Pirine. And I think a guy who had under a hundred carries last year, as much as the running game kind of struggled, that was a bit of a surprising factor. I know he contributed a ton in the two-minute drill as a receiver, things like that. So that might be worth that four point five million against the cap, but you could save three million by letting go of Samaje Pirine. Another free agent acquisition from last offseason tight end Chris Manhurts. I'm not sure, Cody, from my vantage point, he provided quite enough as a blocker to be worth what he's getting paid. So you could save another two million by letting him go. So, I mean, just just quick math off the top of my head, Cody, 26, 36, uh, 44, 46 million of the guys that we've mentioned. Broncos could add 44 million, 46 million in salary cap space 
by making these moves. Again, like you said, we're not advocating to cut every single one of them. We do want the Broncos to have a 90-man roster of quality players this offseason. But look, that sort of cap space would give you a ton of flexibility. And offensively, I think, is where the Broncos have the most wiggle room right now. So we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens with these players. But it could be another mass exodus and maybe a mass of uh, guys coming in on sh- smaller deals and free agency. It'll be very interesting. A lot of options here on the Broncos offensive side of the ball. When you look at defense, there aren't as many options, but the options that Denver does have defensively, some big name ones that could be at a very interesting juncture when we talk about salary cap ramifications. We'll dive deeper to that here on today's brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos. Today's Lockdown Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, New customers, they get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. If you're a brand new customer, you sign up today, you place a $5 bet and your bet wins, you will win $150 in bonus bets. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more, especially as the second half of the NBA season continues. The push for the playoffs begins in the Western and the Eastern Conference, and it's going to get a little dicey as teams in the Western Conference, one of the more competitive conferences in all of sports in comparison to the Eastern Conference on the NBA side. It's going to be a race between seeds eight through one, and there's going to be a lot of shuffling between now and then, and FanDuel is the perfect place to get in on the action. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. Once again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot today. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, we'll take a look at some of the defensive players that Denver has on the roster who could be cap casualties here if the Broncos look to create salary cap space and financial flexibility. Real quick, want to say thank you so much, Broncos country, once again for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Every single day, we love all the everydayers out there who make us part of your daily routine, like Dennis. Uh, We have so many people in the YouTube comments. Love everybody. Michael, thank you so much for all your contributions to the show. Broncos country, you make it exactly what it is. So make sure if you're not doing so already, subscribe or follow down below so you never miss out on what's going on with your favorite team every single day, all year long, because for the true fan, there is never an offseason. Sarah, we went through the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos in terms of potential cap casualties, trade candidates, really with the idea in mind that the Broncos are trying to create financial stability and flexibility going into 2024 in order to have room to operate and to have the ability to, if in season something happens, you need to be able to go out there and sign a player. You have to have flexibility. And right now, almost $25 million over the cap here for Denver a lot of options on offense, but defense, there's a couple of options, but two of them are really big names here for Denver. And I know it got thrown out there a little bit. I, I think James Palmer put something out there. If I'm not mistaken, I saw something on pro football talk talking about it as well. They brought up Justin Simmons like, hey, this is a very crucial juncture here for the Broncos because Justin's a very big part of what they want to do, right? And if the Broncos see you know them progressing forward, more than likely an extension is on the table here for Justin at this point. But if not, you know, Denver could look to maybe trade him or they could release him, which I think I would hate either of those options, to be honest with you, Sarah. I think the only saving grace would be if the Broncos were dead set on trading away a guy like Justin, if they were trading into a team that is a known Super Bowl contender that's going to have a chance to go to the game next year, I'd be okay with that because he deserves to win. Like he's, he's first class on and off the field, deserves a chance to be a champion. He is a champion in the hearts and the eyes of everybody in Broncos country. 
But if they were to somehow entertain that, if they were to release him or to trade him, they would save around $14.5 million. Now an extension kind of changes that as well. But we are talking about every option on the table here. I don't like this option one bit. I don't like the idea of you know the team entertaining it, but it is something we have to bring up. Right. It's one of those situations, like I mentioned before, where you've got the big base salary for Justin and then you've got the low dead money. So he's one of those guys that when when you see lists coming around, uh, coming out around the the Internet and on Twitter, you're going to see his name pop up on just about every one of them as a trade candidate. And that's really why, because there's a big gap in there that the Broncos could save, like you said, 14 and a half million. I'm with you, Cody. I, I don't like the idea at all. I would much rather see Justin Simmons get a contract extension. And it's really some it's something that we've talked about on the show before. Does Justin want to do that? In Denver, like, does he want to commit to being with the Broncos for the remainder of his NFL career? I think at this point, he's going to have to weigh. Does that give me the best chance to win? Like, of course, there is a level of loyalty that these players have in the league. Like, I think I'm sure Justin, more than anybody, wants to win big with the Denver Broncos. Like, he wants to probably see this team that he joined a year after he joined the, the year after they won the Super Bowl. So he joined a team with the no fly zone that was expecting to compete for a championship. And it's just been a tough sledding ever since. I'm sure Justin really wants to be part of a winner in Denver. But if that's not going to come to fruition, I, I think he could keep his options open. He would get a good amount of money. If the Broncos would cut him today, I think he would be able to go out and get a really good contract in free agency with some good guaranteed money. So if an extension is on the table, the Broncos are going to have to pay up. It's not going to be a hometown discount for Justin Simmons. But another guy who's entering the final year of his contract, Cody, DJ Jones on the defensive line. Not the exact same type of situation, but you look at the Garrett Bulls thing offensively to where, well, you already you're creating a weakness kind of unnecessarily at a position where you have a guy who can contribute for you at a high level. DJ Jones, almost a $13 million cap hit this season. The Broncos could save almost 10 million by letting him go. Do you think that's a smart move? Uh, do you think the Broncos could replace DJ with multiple other guys with that 10 million savings? Or do you think he's worth that 13 million, basically a one year deal worth 13 million this year? See, this is the tough one, right? Because I you take, in my opinion, I think the biggest weakness on the Broncos roster is their defensive line right now. And DJ and Zach Allen are probably the only two guys who are the strong suits, but the overall depth there is not good enough. And look, DJ's battled through some injuries through you know his first couple of years in Denver. He's always been tough. He's always gutted it out. If you take away DJ Jones, and I really do worry, Sarah, like right now in the Broncos roster, I'm not confident in anybody behind DJ. That's not named Zach Allen to step up and maybe do that. I mean, maybe internally Denver has a belief in that, but what have we seen so far in that? We haven't seen anything. We thought that 2023 would be the year that we see that to me. I feel like if you were, if the team were to release or move on from DJ Jones, their weakness gets even weaker. Now they better have a good plan. And luckily this show, okay. Hey, I think the NFL draft has some really good defensive linemen in it. Could Denver go out there and maybe get a veteran guy on the cheap that can maybe step in and play that role? Could they potentially extend DJ Jones? Like this is also an option that's on the table. I don't think I'd be a fan of them cutting or, you know, trying to trade him or offset him for a year for that. I think it's either extension or it's, you better have a damn good plan. And look, hope is not a strategy in the NFL. You can hope, but that isn't going to make anything happen. You have to be strategic and intentional with what you do. I feel like that would be a move that puts the Broncos in a negative hole uh, overall, when we talk about roster structure and maybe where they're going. 
Yeah, you you would, like you said, have to have a plan in place. And looking at free agency this year, you know, it is pretty good on the defensive front. And so Shelby come back. Could Shelby Harris come back? I mean, there's veterans and younger players alike in free agency. So it's one of those things that's like, uh, well, the Broncos, if they cut DJ Jones before free agency, now you're kind of giving away a strategy in a way. I mean, you're kind of relinquishing your sort of leverage for these free agent deals and maybe kind of raising the price of the guys that you would want to go after. So maybe you go into free agency, depending on, I'm, I'm not sure about any triggers at the beginning of the league year, Cody, but maybe you go into free agency kind of keeping an open mind on that one. So we'll see. But another guy, Tremont Smith, you could save 2.5 million letting him go. Is Are his special teams contributions valuable enough to say, you know, we want to pay, pay the 3.5 million or whatever it is, you know, as opposed to saving the mm-hmm. 2.5 million that's something that the Broncos are going to once again have to weigh because this is a guy who he does not contribute defensively. And that's a huge factor. You got to, the Broncos don't have a kicker right now. We haven't talked about yeah. that a ton. I mean, Will Lutz, he's also a free agent. So yeah. you don't have a kicker. You're investing a lot in special teamers. I think it's another fascinating discussion with us. Like I said in yesterday's episode, the whole Russell Wilson thing affects every other piece of the pie you're talking about such a huge chunk that you're you're basically taking out of the pie and you're throwing it away and you're saying all right this is what we got to give to everybody else here at the thanksgiving party i i mean it's just a it it affects everybody so tremont smith is another guy that could get affected well and on top of that too you look okay who could be potential special teams impact replacements for a guy like tremont well there's Riley Moss, but Riley's in consideration to start. So if Riley starts, he can't be playing all these special teams as a starter on defense because he's an important piece of what you want to do. Damari Mathis is still on the roster, can also be that. I think it wouldn't cost you much to bring a guy like Tremont back, and I feel like the value he adds on special teams. We talk about like special teams grading. He was the highest graded special teams players internally in the building by the Broncos special team staff. He was the top guy on the board, accumulated the most points in production overall last season for them. I don't think they're going to move on from he makes them better in an area where they've needed it to be, especially as a gunner, especially on kickoff and everything else. And as a jammer, I'd bring Tremont back. I think that two and a half million, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, like obviously, like you want to could you save that? Could it be useful elsewhere? Yes. But I think that's like two point five million dollars that you definitely would need. And it's low, low risk, high reward for Denver in terms of production. I would keep Tremont. I wouldn't even cut him, even if it's like, all right, we th- we're thinking about it. Denver's secondary depth overall corner. Not the greatest overall right now. So that also factors into that decision. But Broncos country, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the Broncos offense and defense in terms of players who could be potential cap casualties overall to help create some salary cap space for the Broncos? Let us know down below. But that'll wrap up today's episode. Lockdown Broncos here, wherever you get your podcast and also available on YouTube. Subscribe or follow so you never miss out on what's going on. Sarah Bettinger and myself, we will be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show Make sure you tune in. We'll see you then, Broncos country.